last week we started a new series called Love Revolution. Did y'all notice how cute this is? L-O-V-E backwards in revolution. My husband discovered that, of course, not me. Yeah, that was very cool, dear. <laughs> kudos, kudos, yes, yes. Well, we began talking about this love revolution last week, and uh, during the summer I was uh, just over and over kept hearing, uh, you know, all you need is love. Got it, Jeff? Let's see, he's paying attention to me. Everybody sing along. You don't want me to sing. Well, you know, I think that's pretty true because God is love, right? All you need is God. And then I began to hear this word at the ladies' retreat that we were entering a, a revolution, a love revolution. And I really believe that what God is speaking to us here at Genesis and really probably all around the world, it's going to start popping up. It's always, you know, is that we need a love revolution, that we're going to be a love, we're going to be a love revolution. So whether or not you're like the Beatles who are called to affect the whole world with a message, or Elvis Presley, who's affected the whole world with a message, or other great names that you could name who you know has changed a culture, made a difference. That might be you. But even if it's not, you can affect and change your world and revolutionize your world with love. So I want to do a little review about last week. And uh, we started out with this, that... God wants a love revolution. <laughs> and we talked about how everyone is searching for love. I mean, right? Isn't that what everybody is searching for? All the movies, all the TV shows, all the music, your own heart. Why we get married is because we are searching for love, right? And so everyone's searching for love, which really means everyone is searching for God. Because as we just said, God is love. So whether they know it or not, whether we know it or not, when we're searching for love, we're searching for God. And then where are, we most, where are people most likely to find God? In you. And so we might conclude then that people are searching for you. In their search for love, they're searching for you. To find the God in you and the love in you. After all, as we read in 1 John, it's not up here on the screen, but in 1 John chapter 4, verse 12, in the New Living Translation, it says, his love is brought to full expression in us. That's how people are going to find the love of God. In 2 Corinthians 3, you'll probably remember this, how Paul said that our lives are a living epistle or letter. It says it like this. It says, clearly, this is New Living Translation, clearly you are a letter from Christ. This letter is written not with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It's carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. And so God has used your life to write a letter to everyone around you to talk about him. 
And so there's the book of Catherine, and there's the book of Matt, and there's the book of Lisa Marie, and, the, and, and oh my gosh, your names go through my head too fast as I'm going across the room here. The book of Linda. And, and you know, what we want, of course, you know how everybody has a, famous, has a favorite book of the Bible, or a favorite scripture, or a favorite chapter. Maybe you could be somebody's favorite book of the Bible, right? Vicki, you could be somebody, I bet you're Brad's favorite book of the Bible. <laughs> Let's hope, okay? <laughs> okay, we can be somebody's, and what about the love chapter? We all know the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. Well, maybe the love chapter is Lisa, you know? Maybe, maybe the love chapter is Emily. And so God can use you and is using you to express his love to the world as people are searching for love. And then we looked at... What is our Christian agenda? Well, you know, quite obviously, if you've uh, known the Lord for a while, our Christian agenda is the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Gospel means good news. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And make disciples. And so we're doing that. We want to do that as ministers of reconciliation. Reconciliation means to bring together, bringing people together with God, not driving them away, but bringing them to God through a message of love. So this is where we're going to pick up today. And I believe there's another pretty little, oh, there it is. We're going to go to this one. So we're going to start here with the minister of reconciliation and talk about being a minister of reconciliation this morning. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 through verses 14 through 20, actually, I think it's really through 21, talks all about this. And I did not put this up on the screen for you. I only put up portions of it. It's all a passage that's about all the same thing. And rather than reading through every single word, you're welcome to go home and read it and see if you agree with me that we can take these words and that they all fit together just fine and appropriately to get our message across tonight, this morning, about being a minister of reconciliation. So it says this, for the love of Christ compels us. Okay, we've been talking about love. The love of Christ compels us. We want a love revolution. So this is what love does, compels us. If one, and that capital O, Jesus, if one died for all, then all died. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. God has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to him, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed, it doesn't quite say this right, I didn't type it all out, has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So I want you to see here some points. So the love of Christ is compelling us, he died for who? All. Who? All. Who does that include? Everyone. Does anybody get left out? Is it all? He died for all. And then who died with him? Did anybody get left out? Mm-hmm. How interesting is that? All have died. The work has already been done for all of mankind through Christ. And because of that, when we look at somebody, we now 
do not regard them according to the flesh. We don't regard them according to their rights and wrongs, their sins and their not sins, their goods and evils. We realize that just like us, each person has died along with Christ, that their sins have been separated from them as far as Christ is concerned. I get it that there is a receiving of this, but the point is the work, just like it's been done for you, has been done for every single human being. And so now we don't regard people according to the flesh. I'm gonna make a point here. And what we have become as we don't regard people according to the flesh, as we're not calling out all their sins and, oh my gosh, look what you have done and, oh, what a sinner you are, but instead we're recognizing that they too have died along with Christ and been resurrected, okay, that now we become ministers of reconciliation, bringing people together with God. That's the good news. The good news is he's already paid the price. The good news, he's not rejecting you. The good news, he's not watching out to see what sin you're committing today. Oh my gosh. And you're doing it again? Oh my gosh, how horrible you are. No, this is not God. We're not walking, we're not regarding people according to the flesh, but we're drawing people together to that great love of Jesus Christ, not imputing their trespasses against them. So I think a problem that we have had is that um, we, we, we've had this turn or burn message. Y- y'all know what I'm talking about? Is if you don't get it right, honey, you are going to hell. And that's been our message. I didn't see that in those verses we just read. That doesn't sound like really great news to me right? Uh, We've had this message that was get your life right. We've got a get your life right kind of message. We've got a quit doing this or quit doing that message. We've made it maybe about you need to believe what I believe message. You need to maybe even get your doctrine right message. And I want to give you an idea this morning of where that thrust originates. And this might be some news to some of you. Maybe some of you have heard this around here before. But it really goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. It goes back to the eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do you know we were never meant to live by the knowledge of good and evil? That was never the plan. The plan was to eat from the tree of life and live out of a life filled, love-filled existence. And as we had a life-filled, love-filled existence, you would simply do what was to the advantage of another human being. But instead, Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and it threw our world into chaos. And so God had to act and respond to mankind's decision through law. It was the way to bring order to a world of chaos, to people who weren't controlled from or led from the inside out. And so thus, anything was okay. And so he had to put some laws in place to restrict behavior so we didn't all kill each other, okay? 
But that was not the original plan. Law was never God's original plan. It was after the decision of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that laws had to be put into place. Now, our whole world exists by this new world system now. It is the world system you and I live in. It's a law of right and wrong, good and bad laws punishment for law if you break the laws. And, and let me tell you, I'm not trying to say we're ever going to get rid of that until Jesus can really take over everything. But we can do our part to help bring the kingdom of God to bear as opposed to just saying I'm going to live in the world system of laws and legalism and all of that. What is my earring doing, dear? He brought, you want, you want to show them that? Just here, let's just show them. We have a new thing, and he's dared to use it before I got to use it. <laughs> I guess I have to take my earring off. <laughs> and so, if his zipper is unzipped, I'm going to write on there, zip it up, baby. <laughs> You see, we've gone for years. We've gone for years of him saying, you mean you let me preach that whole time with this big thing on my face? And I went, well, how was I supposed to do anything? Was I supposed to get up in the middle of your sermon and try to take it off? <laughs> Am I, well, oh, things are unbuttoned or uh, things are undone. And I'm going, you let me go through the whole sermon doing that? Well, what did you want me to do? So he found this lovely little right-on paddle. So... <laughs> Okay, so he got to use it on me first. I could have used it for you a couple of weeks ago, but no, I didn't bring it. <laughs> okay, back to the knowledge of, so we live in this world. So my earring's gone, is that better? All right. So we live in this world that's a system, it's a world system of the knowledge of good and evil and of laws and rules. And in indeed, because our world is a fallen world, there needs to be some of that in our world around us. However, what has happened then in our preaching of the good news is that I believe this world system came into our preaching. And so we began to have these messages of quit doing this and quit doing that and believe what I believe because all of that falls into the way we have been taught to live. And you might say, well, doesn't the scripture say repent and? You know, I looked up several of those scriptures as I was preparing for this and I want you to understand something about repent. Go back about two or three months, listen to Pastor Jeff's um, series on metanoia, which metanoia is the Greek word for repent or repentance. And we have taken that word repent over the years, uh, somebody took it over the years, and began to link it to penance and paying penance and paying a price for sin. But that's not the meaning of the Greek word metanoia. The meaning of the Greek word metanoia or repent is simply to put God into the center of your thinking and thus change your thinking. So in those scriptures where it says repent and be baptized, repent and whatever, it's not going repent you sinners, you get it right, get your lives right or else you'll never be saved. It's saying put God in the center of your thinking and change the way you think and you'll find Christ. Wow, huh? So it's a different way 
of understanding and revelation about what it's really about. It's not about a harsh judgmental cry of get your lives right. And then what about preaching right doctrine? Shouldn't we be preaching right doctrine? Shouldn't we be studying the right way? Well, let me say this about doctrine. First of all, doctrine is meant for the disciple. It's not meant for going out and preaching. So for someone who chooses to become a disciple, then they sit under teaching, they study the word, they decide, they seek God, and they determine what they believe. But if we're going to go out and preach doctrine, we're going to have a lot of division, not reconciliation. Let me tell you something. God is about reconciliation. You saw it briefly. Go back and read that whole chapter. God's about making one. Jesus came to make the two one. You can read it in Ephesians as well. He came to bring us together, not tear us apart, the body together. The Holy Spirit, God, the Father, God, the Son, they're one, and we are one in him, and he is in us. He's about oneness and unity, not about separating. And if you're all about doctrine, sure, study the word. Determine according to your faith what you see, what you believe, but don't use it as an opportunity to prove somebody else is wrong. That's the world's system. I'm right, you're wrong. That's the world system. That's the world system. So when we study the word, it's not to get right from a legalistic point of view. It's not so that you, let me tell you, sometimes this is what some of us do. Not always, I get that. But sometimes our own insecurities are, I want to find what's right so I can be right. I don't want anybody to be thinking I'm wrong. So I'm going to find out everything so I can be right. So some of our studying of the word is so I can be right. I don't want to be embarrassed, and I don't want to be wrong. Some of us are doing it because we're looking for the formulas. If I do A, B, and C, God will love me. If I do D, E, and F, God will provide for me. And we're looking for formulas. That's not why to study the word either. So here's what Jesus said to the religious people. He said to them, this is the message translation. You have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there, but you miss the forest for the trees. These scriptures are all about me. And here I am standing right before you and you aren't willing to receive from me the life you say you want. Look at it here in the New Living. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. Yet, you refuse to come to me to receive this life. The reason we study scripture is not to be right, but it's to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's to help us to understand who he is so we can relate to him better and help understand who we are in him. That's why we study scripture. It's to lead us into deeper relationship with the lover of our souls. Not to be right. Not to be right. We've got to change our focus about what it is we're doing. So there's only one law now that remains in the New Testament and in kingdom living. 
Romans 13, and this is so beautiful in the mirror translation, and you'll, you'll see it is exactly the essence of everything that it says in your other translations. But this says it so well. Remain debt-free. The only thing we owe the world is our love. This is the essence of the law. Love is. Love makes it impossible for you to commit adultery or to kill someone or to steal from someone or speak evil of anyone or to covet anything that belongs to someone else. Your only option is to esteem a fellow human with equal value to yourself. Everything love does is to the advantage of another. Therefore, love is the most complete expression of what the law requires. Who needs the law when from the inside out we're motivated by love? We automatically do what is to the advantage of another human being when we're operating in that love. And that's who God is too. He's always doing things to our advantage in that kind of love. And we don't need the law. You know, love wasn't meant to be and can't be legislated. You know, here in the United States, we're quite familiar with, you know, um, the laws that are trying to bring some form of unity from diversity and trying to legislate, you know, the hate crimes. You know, hate crimes are defined as pretty much as uh, a, 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 a crime against, thank you, a crime against racial barriers, race from one race to another, or one gender, or one life, let's put it this way, one lifestyle to another, as well as one race from another, and we have hate crimes. But you know, maybe, just maybe, all crimes are hate crimes. Because all crimes, if they don't come out of love, if, all crimes don't come out of love. And so therefore, aren't they of some form of hate? And you cannot legislate this. You can't legislate, legislate love. <laughs> what we need is a love revolution. What we need is from the inside out, the original intent of God, from the inside out that we're so full of the love of God that it overflows from us to the people around us. Your spirit has all the love you need because your spirit's one with Christ. So we've got to get that love now into the rest of us, our soul and our body, so that we're constantly overflowing with love. You know, that is, I believe, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of this world is about right and wrong and lists of laws. This is the world system. It's about right and wrong and lists of laws in an effort to rule mankind's lawlessness. But the kingdom of God is ruled by love, which is God himself. The kingdom of God is ruled by love. And that's the kingdom within us. You know, we've read in the scriptures where it says the laws are now written on our hearts. Well, that's what it's talking about. It's on the inside of us. And therefore, we're automatically motivated to love automatically motivated towards the other persons and caring about the other person. So why is this so important to understand, this difference between this law of, and I believe I just have a, yep, love revolution up there. Why is it so important to understand this difference? Okay, so would you come up here, Tim, and just help me out here? And maybe Matt, can I, 
get you to come up here. Would you take this? It's too heavy for me. Hey, Lisa, you could come up. No, Lisa, you stay there. <laughs> Marissa, you, would you come up? Okay, Matt, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give this to somebody else here. All right, maybe you take this. And uh, Vicki, come on up here, if you would. And just hold this. All right. So here's the deal, folks. So Tim, you want to hold that up? So I know this isn't true of you, but I'm just using you as an illustration. Okay, so let's say that Tim, this is Tim, and he's all full of judgment. Envy, looks like. Oh, envy. You're a good illustrator. <laughs> okay, he's full of envy. And he wants to give something to Vicki. What is he going to be able to give her if this is what he's full of? Can he give her love if he doesn't have love? <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good job, Vic. Good job. <laughs> right. Yeah. Dog. <laughs> yeah. Well, you sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all Vicky's going to get from Tim is envy, strife, judgment. If if all Tim has is hey. I don't know if I'm forgiven. He's going to give a little way away unforgiveness. If he doesn't know he's loved, he's going to give away whatever the opposite of love is. Because I don't know I'm loved. Why should I love you? If he doesn't know, hey, uh, it's okay if I mess up from time to time, then he's going to pour into Vicky's cup, it is not okay that you mess up from time to time. You can only give away what you possess. But Matt here, the royal Matt has a fullness of love and he's giving away goodness and he talks to Marissa and look, he's making Marissa feel better because Matt's all full of the love of God. Matt's all full of kindness. Matt's all full of patience. And so what he's full of is what he gives away. We can only give away what we are full of. Make sense? Thank you all. You can just set that right there on the table. So this is why it's important to make this differentiation to you this morning, that it's not about laws, it's not about judgment, it's not about coming down on people, it's not about change your lives, it's about love. If you're full of, oh my gosh, I'm such a rotten person, I can never get my life right and God doesn't love me because of it, then what are you going to give to the other person? You're going to give that to them. If you don't get your life right, God's not going to love you. But if, on the other hand, you're full of God loves me in spite of, God loves me and his love never changes no matter what I do, then I'm going to give to you. God loves you no matter what. No matter the fact that you held that sign up and told me I had to take my earrings off, I'll love you anyway. <laughs> okay, or bigger things than that. <laughs> so, folks, I want to tell you that uh, what I've actually titled this sermon, it doesn't sound this way so far, is uh, seek the lover. We, need, we love, the scripture tells us, we love because God loves us. And as we seek the lover, we're going to get filled up with his love. And then people are going to seek the lover in you, and you're going to give it away. So let's look at one more scripture here. Very familiar to you, of course. 1 Corinthians 13. 
This is the love scriptures. These are the love scriptures. Before we read them, let me remind you of something. I'm going to take this back here. But, you know, right before these scriptures start that describe love, it's saying, if you have faith to move mountains, how many of you would like to have faith to move mountains? Amen. Hallelujah. You know, if you can prophesy, how many of you love prophecy? If you have miracles, you know, if you feed the poor, oh, this is so wonderful. But it also says you can do all those things, and if you have not love, it profits you nothing. So here's the deal. All those things are great, and all those things are important, but love is more important according to those scriptures. So let's look at love. Now here's the deal. As we read this, since God is love, and we want to seek the lover, I'm going to put the word God in in place of the word love. And I want you to think about this in relationship to you. God is patient with you. God is kind to you. God is not jealous or boastful, making a big deal of stuff. He's not proud. He's, he's not rude to you. God's not demanding his own way with you. You have a free will. God is not irritable with you. For some of us, that's a revelation. And here's a big one. God is keeping no records of being wronged. You may be keeping records of how many times you did that horrible thing, but he's not. He does not rejoice about injustice. So he's not going, ha, 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 I told you so. I told you not to do that. I told you this would happen. That is not what God's doing. He's, he, he's just loving you and helping you get through things. But when, things are, when truth does win out, he's rejoicing. He never gives up on you. He never loses faith in you. He's always hopeful about you and endures through every circumstance with you. Every time, all the time. Every time, all the time. Every time, all the time. He's for you. Romans 8, if God be for you, who can be against you? It goes on to talk about he's the one who paid the price, so he's the one who gets to make the final judgment. And his final judgment is, in, those Roman, in Romans 8, is nothing will ever separate you from the love of Christ, love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. That's his final judgment. So as we seek this lover, this description, as we seek a relationship with this person, as we get involved with this person, whether it's prayer, whether it's going about, Marissa, going about your daily duties, that you didn't have a set aside time, I know you were connected with God anyway. Whether it's coming, you know, whether it's coming to church service, whether it's listening to worship music, whatever it may be, driving in your car. You know what? I can have friends in my car and I can drive and talk all at the same time and have a relationship. Well, you know what? When I don't have a human friend in my car, God is in my car and I talk to him while I'm driving and he talks to me. I'll tell you what, he talks to me in the shower a lot. <laughs> so here's the thing. We need to be a seeker of the lover and as we are, we're going to get filled up with him. 
more and more and more. And then we will automatically be giving him away. You know, uh, I was thinking about how when I really know somebody, like I happen to know Catherine as a good, Catherine, Cynthia, there's more, good prayer people. Man, they know how to pray. And you know what? That's because I hang out with them. And so I know that when I connect with them, if I need prayer, I, I can easily ask them for prayer. Marissa, great, Lisa, great organizers. If I need something, because I know you, because I have a relationship with you. If I need something organized, you're the one to go to. Matt, if I want to have fun, I'm going to <laughs> come, come to you. And on and on, we could go around the room and describe different attributes about each person. And if I know you, some of you I don't know. I don't know your attributes. But I know the attributes of God. And so if I want to introduce you, Lisa Marie, to God, because I know him, I can introduce you to him. Because I'm hanging out with him, because I have a relationship with him, because I enjoy him. And so I can tell you, you know, it's going to be okay. God loves you. I know he loves you, Gary, because he loves me too. And man, I am a mess up. And he still loves me. So whatever's going on in your life, my brother, he loves you. You can be reassured. Whatever, whatever it might be. When you are filled up with him, when you know him, you can give him away. We need to be uh, a seeker of our lover because people are seeking lovers, aren't they? People, I mean, let's face it, nobody's seeking haters. Nobody's seeking divisive people. Nobody's seeking angry people. They're seeking lovers, and that can be us. Uh, this past Wednesday at Hot Dog Wednesday, like I said last week, there's always somebody who says, why are you doing this? Always, every week, why do you do this? And we probably all have a little bit of a different answer in how we answer them. But I said to them, especially after last week's message, I said, you know, we just want to spread some love into our community and spread a little bit of care and a little bit of goodness. That's why we do this. Oh, that's very cool. And it's the truth. And it's the truth. Amen.